exactly this time of the year. We made phone calls to all the same people saying, we're going to be at the church tomorrow because of smoke. And that's, uh, that's how it goes sometimes, and I get that. Um, but today, we, we really want you to know this is a, this is a very, very family-friendly day. And, day. and we should always be that way. We're a very family-friendly church. And if you have kids that are squirming like mine, and they're in the front, or second to front row, it's okay, okay? I, I might be a little distracted by them. You might be, it's okay. But Jesus is here. This is family. It's like when we show up to a family reunion, right? And everyone's there, and all the kids are there, and they're playing, they're goofing off, and they're, they're interrupting, and they're, they're it's, okay. it's just, that's who they are. And listen, if we, all those sounds you heard, right, the baby's crying, or my son talking loud, right, those, the, the playful attitude or the laughs, if we don't hear that, that means we're dying. Because it's through birth and new birth that we continue to spread the gospel. These are our little missionaries into the future. So uh, we certainly want them to be part of the church service. Uh, here's the other thing. Today, we're, we've really broken it up into a lot of different um, aspects today, worship and preaching time and special music and offering and prayer. Uh, we want you just to know this is what we do as the body of Christ. And, and, and to make sure we refocus like, oh yeah, this is our priority. This is what we should be doing uh, every day and whenever we gather uh, this should be a part of it. And later on, we're going to go and break bread together, right? We're going to go and have, have a meal together and fellowship and talk and get to know each other and just, and just spend time united uh, under the banner of Christ. So I hope you'll make it a priority to stay as your, as your, your family will stay for our barbecue after, after service as well. Um, and if, if you are a parent with, with small kids and you feel like it's, you're, it's just bothering you that your kids are doing what they're doing, you feel, feel the freedom to leave. We're not going to hold you captive here. If you want to go into the cry room or in the parent room or in the lobby, you can certainly do that. Uh, I think there are speakers on out there. We can check and see to make sure that the, uh, the message is going. But we are going to break this up today. I'm going to do a point number one for 10 minutes, and then we'll do some more worship together. So you get to stand and stretch, and kids can kind of get, get back and focus on that, okay? And then we'll do another part of the message and another. So we'll get started here so it goes to about 10 minutes, I hope, right? So today, you know, this weekend's Labor Day weekend, and as, as I kept thinking of Labor Day, uh, a lot has been coming up, a lot has been talked about. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations recently just about the, the necessity to understand and know that Christ is enough, that Christ is everything that we need, and, uh, and there's nothing more. And that we talk about Labor Day, this idea that, that Christ labored and did all the work necessary for you and for me so that you and I could find rest. There's nothing else that that, that we need to do. It's, it's all on Jesus. So today I want us to look at that and, and look at a few things to remember as we look at Labor Day, okay? Let's get prayed up and uh, go to the Word and we'll, we'll continue to worship as well. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the time you've given us to look to your Word, to examine our own hearts and our motives. God, I pray that, that we would right now quiet our heart and stop doing church like we've always done church, that we would we'd focus our attention to your Spirit We'd invite you to convict us of sin and move in and amongst us. God, we would ask that you would, you would be guiding us to the word and guiding us to the truth of your word. God, that we would see exactly what you want to change in us and how you're going to challenge us. God, show us where we're deficient. God, as we, as we know, as we looked at, at the, the book of Jonah, God, we know that you pursued Jonah with his awesome, awesome grace. And it was all about you laboring for your creation, for your people and God, as you did, you were ready to overturn their hearts. So God, we ask that you would overturn our hearts, that you'd wreck us, humble us to receive your grace. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible, if you turn with me to the book of Colossians, I'd appreciate that. The book of Colossians. It's in the New Testament. You have Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the, uh, the Gospels. Then you have uh, the book of Acts and then Romans and then First and Second Corinthians. After the, those, uh, those books, we have the letters from Paul. 
starting with Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. The book of Colossians. If you don't have a uh, Bible, you can grab one out of the pew rack in front of you. So we are in Colossians, and we're going to be in chapter 2 of Colossians. We're going to look at kind of three different areas today of, of uh, God's laboring and, and uh, what it means to us. And the first area is is very personal area. Uh, God, what God did was very personal for us. The second area is it was very public as well. That it was meant to be something that was not just personal, but it went further than that. It went into public. And the final area we're going to look at today is it was powerful. That there was that God's power is there and God's power resides in his people. And we can find victory through Christ because of the power he gives us by the Holy Spirit. So the first section, this personal section, here's what we need to understand and, and remember about this labor day and this labor Christ did. Number one is this, that he is the Savior. He is the Savior. Can I get another amen? I mean, amen. he is the Savior. There's some deep implications to this, though, like, oh, yeah, we, we know Jesus is the Savior. If it's personal, though, what it should be is, He is my Savior. He is my Savior. So let's look at Colossians. We're going to look at chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. It says, and, you were, and when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive with Him and forgave us all our trespasses. So we once were dead, and now we're alive because of Christ. He made you alive, and He forgave you his, of your trespasses. In verse 14, it says, He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Amen? That certificate that we could never pay, that, that bill that we owe that we could never pay, He took it away from us and put it on the cross. He nailed it on the cross. In verse 15, it says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them by Him. See, this is the victory of God. This is our Savior. Jesus did the work. And if we are to question that and think, oh, well, I've, I've got to really work this out on my own, we get so prideful at times that we remove ourselves from fellowship. We remove ourselves from accountability. We remove ourselves from God's Word and His presence. And we say, God, I want to I do it on my own. Scripture says you can't. We can't do it on our own. It's a, you, know, you might be able to do it for longer than someone else. But ultimately, it will end in failure. It will end in despair. It will end in hopelessness. If you are trying to achieve your own salvation on your own, you will fail. And I would fail too. But God... The richness of this text, it said, We were dead, but He made us alive with Him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt, right? He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He triumphed over them. Didn't say me at all. Didn't say you at all, did it? Jesus is the Savior, and that's very, very personal. I want you to, we're done there. Flip over to John chapter 19. We're going to be cruising around a little bit. Again, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I want us to see what Jesus said and, and understand the depth of the work of Christ, what it means to us. John chapter 19. It's not 1 John or 2 John or 3 John. It's John, just the gospel of John, plain old John. He wasn't plain, right? He was the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? John chapter 19. This is when Christ is on the cross. So remember, he took that certificate of debt we owed, and what did he do? He nailed it to the cross. Well, what was nailed to the cross? Were there a bunch of pieces of paper on the cross? 
No, it was Jesus Christ on the cross, remember? Christ was crucified on our behalf, and that's how the, pen, the penalty has been paid. It's through Christ. He was, the lamb. he was the lamb that was slain, right? So John chapter 19 and verse 30, he's, he's on, the, on the cross. He's, he's about to die, and he says, it says in verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, what did he say? It is finished. Then bowing his, his head, he gave up his spirit. What was finished? Not him. He, he wasn't finished. He knew he was coming back to life. And he even prophesied that and told his disciples, just wait three days. What was finished was the work. See, Jesus came and was obedient to the Father's will of the cross. That was the work of God. That was the work that Christ chose to do. That He became obedient to the Father and went to the cross. And the work was complete. It was completed, finished on our behalf. You see, you and I have this need in our lives for a righteousness, a perfection, a cleansing, a purity that we cannot achieve without Jesus. And on this Labor Day weekend, I want you to think about resting from all that labor. Stop trying to earn your own salvation. Stop trying to be your own Savior. It will never work. But Jesus worked it out for you, didn't he? Jesus nailed himself to the cross. He allowed himself to be nailed to the cross so that you and I could, could have a righteousness that doesn't come from obedience to the law. It doesn't come from having the right answers or, or dressing the right part. It only comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? That we can be clean, not because we're clean, but because he made us clean. I tell people, sometimes I meet with, with children who want to be baptized, and we talk about the depth of baptism. We talk about salvation first, of course, to make sure they understand and I use this term, I say, Jesus is our Clorox bleach, right? We're dirty and stained, and we, have, we can't get those stains out, but Jesus is the Clorox bleach that can wipe it out. He can cleanse us. Now, every time you go do laundry, I want you to think about Jesus, right? He's the only one that can take care of that. He's the only one that can take care of that, right? Acts chapter 4, verse 12, let's turn there. We're going to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts is the next book, chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse, verse 12. I want us to understand the depth that He is the Savior. He is the Savior. There's no other answer. Right? I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's, it's the Sunday school answer is Jesus, right? He is the answer to every question. He is the solution to every problem. It's that simple. Even in the complexity of our sin, the complexity of our life, it is that simple that we run to Jesus. He is the answer. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. They're talking about the name of Jesus. There is no other name than Jesus. And, and the apostles knew that, and John and Peter, who, who were arrested, knew that. The Sanhedrin, the teachers of the law, they said, you can't teach anymore. You stop teaching in that name you're talking about, that name. I don't want to say it, but it's Jesus. Don't teach in that name anymore. They said, we can't help it. There's no other name to teach. I, I can't be just the spiritual guru. I can't write a self-help book. I can't write these, these uh, laws that me, you know, run your life by and, and give them to you and that you'll be good. I only can point to Jesus. And see, when we understand that he did the complete work, that he did a finished work, there's encouragement in that. There's hope in that. There's relief in that. There's peace in that. There's joy in that. Amen? Amen. I don't have to be good enough. Jesus, he's the Savior. 
Now, we're going to do something different because today's just a different day, right? You're going to, it might, this might be uncomfortable. It's okay. This is family. We are family. We're the family of God. And I want you to be a little vulnerable if you want or just listen and, and let God do his thing. What we're going to do is we're going to just, right where you're at, just get a little group right around you, your neighbors, your friends that you're sitting next to. And I'm going to put a question up here. Davey will put it up here on the screen. Here's this, I want you to talk about this question just for, just for like five minutes. Just for express the encouragement you have from knowing that Christ completed the work. Okay? So here's the question. At what times in your life do you find the finished work of Jesus especially encouraging? Now, there are times in our life where we need that, don't we? We need to remember and be reminded, oh, Jesus did it all. He did it all. I can go home and sleep tonight. So that's what we do. Just for the next five minutes, in your little groups, three of you, ten of you, I don't care, whatever it is, right around you, kids and all, answer this question. When does the finished work of Christ, when is it found especially encouraging to you? Go ahead. Come on back together. I don't know about you, our, you know, our group, I, I, I trust that, that we are super encouraged by the grace of God, that we're super encouraged by the finished work of Jesus. You know, there's, there's a lot of stress in our life, right? There's a lot of despair that can be in our hearts and our lives. There's a lot of, of, of things going on around us. You know, I think we know people that are affected by, by loss or grief or sin, in our lives, and, and you know, one of the things that has helped me, I, like, and this might sound like unloving, I, I don't want it to sound unloving, but because I know that Jesus is the Savior, I can go home and decide I don't have to be someone else's Savior. I don't have to be my Savior. And when I, when I let go of, of me being the Savior, I tell you what, I can sleep at night. I am so grateful that God that God is that Savior. So I, I hope that you, you heard some encouragement from others and their experiences of how, how that finished work of Christ just frees you. It sets you free to love. It sets you free to obey. It sets you free just to, to unburden your own self with earning God's love. We're going to spend uh, just a minute in prayer, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. We'll go back into song, okay? Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you are the Savior, that you did the work necessary to to bring us into a right relationship with Jesus. God, that when we stand before God on Judgment Day, that God, as hard as we try, we would never be able to live up to what, he's, what his standard is. But we know that Christ did all the work. He took that burden from us. He nailed it to the cross by dying there himself. And when he rose, he was victorious, giving us victory over sin and death, that we would have life and we'd have new life. God, help us to live new every day. God, help us to be encouraged by your grace, encouraged by your, your final and finished work on the cross, that we don't have to be our Savior. You are. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again and worship. We believe, amen? amen. Yeah. And that's, that's what it takes is that, uh, that belief, that faith for you and I, that we'd have that faith in Jesus Christ alone, right? That he is the Savior and that he... He can do all the transforming inside of us. That we can, apart from Him, we can do nothing.
So if you're just joining us because you thought service started at 11.15, welcome. Glad you're here. <laughs> We're about halfway through and uh, of our Celebration Sunday uh, of our very family-friendly service, right? It's going great. My kids are doing all right. Your kids doing okay? We're, we're, we're making it. We're doing good. So point number one was that He is the Savior. He is the Savior. It's personal. Number two is this, that we are to point others to the Savior. And that's public. That we would point others to the Savior. It's, it's really an easy thing, but it, it tends to be difficult for us to do. Uh, go to the book of Matthew, if you would. First book of the New Testament. Matthew, and we're going to go to chapter 28, the last chapter of the first book of the New Testament, and the very final verses of that chapter. Matthew 28. So we're in Matthew 28 and looking at verses 18 through 20a is where we're going to end right there. It says this, and it's the Great Commission. Uh, Then Jesus came near and said to them, listen to what he said. This is what Jesus said. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority? All authority. How much of the work did God do on the cross? All the work. This is an all-inclusive. This is our all-in-all is Jesus Christ. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So some important things to think through. First of all, Jesus has authority. And when he says, all authority has been given to me, therefore you go make disciples of how many nations? All nations. You see, Jesus' religion, if you want to call it religion, was not just a good idea for a certain group of people. Jesus has all authority over every color, every creed, every, every sexual orientation, every preference, anything, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Amen? He is the supreme authority over everything. So there's not, a, not an aspect or a corner of the planet that can get away from the cover of God's sovereignty or the sharing of God's grace. And see, we are to point people to Jesus. You look around the world today. I, I, I've told you this before, I, I almost dread turning on the news. You look around the world today, and there is some desperate, desperate need for hope. There is desperate need for a fix, something to happen. And even when something does occur, we, we, we tend to jump up and run to the rescue, thinking that sometimes, sometimes we think, well, we're, we're going to help the situation. We're going to make this better. And, and even if we do make it better and the people are more comfortable, there's still an underlying need, isn't there? There's still the need of every human heart to know and love and trust in Jesus Christ. Why? Because He is the Savior. Point number one, right? He is the Savior. And what we do a good job of is drawing people's attention to us instead of pointing people's attention to Jesus. That's what we are, by the way. As we go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey all the things God has commanded, we teach the Word of God and we tell them about Jesus and the hope of grace and the cross. That's important to do, but when we do that, what we're doing is pointing people to Jesus. There's no other name. There's no other hope that we can have. He's done all the work and He has all the authority, so you and I can be free to say, hey, go check Jesus out. 
you really need to talk to Jesus about this. I've had a lot of conversations recently and, and a lot of counseling times where friends or family members or, um, or just even coworkers have set themselves up as a faulty Jesus, as a faulty Savior in the lives of their friends or family. And, and it's, not, it's not that they're intentionally, I want to be the Savior in the relationship. It's that they, they had such a great and deep burden for the lost, a great and deep burden for even the found, for their friends and family. They had this great and deep burden that they put this burden upon themselves to be the person who was there and fixed everything. And we can't do that, can we? I, I am all about, and Scripture says that we should bear one another's burdens. We should carry that load. But it is not that I carry that load without help. We carry that load walking towards Jesus because He's the Savior. There are a lot of clubs, a lot of groups, a lot of families who try to carry loads on their own shoulders and, and do it themselves, and, and, and it works for a little while, and they get tired, and they have to throw it off, and the person didn't change. Nothing, nothing happened here. But if you and I, as the body of Christ, the family of God, would carry each other's burdens towards Jesus, there is hope there. We are to point people to Jesus. And that, that's kind of a two-pronged thing. First of all, it's marching orders. Go and do that. Go and let your light shine before men, that they would see your good deeds and praise who? The Father in heaven, right? We, we point them to Jesus. We point them to the Father. Not us. It's not, hooray, look how good you are. No, praise God. Praise God I can respond to him in love and genuineness and obedience. Praise God that I know Jesus and that this burden on my shoulders has been lifted because I didn't have to pay for my own sin. We point people to Jesus. And that's our, our marching orders. The second part of that is different, though. It is a freedom that, and that we are to back off and not be the Savior. I want to give you that permission. Stop trying to be your sister's Savior. Stop trying to be your dad's savior or your, your brother's or your kid's savior. Stop trying to be your friend's savior. Stop trying to be your co-worker's savior. We are not the savior, amen? amen? Jesus is. So there's a freedom now that you don't have to be their savior. You don't have to carry that burden that they have of that lostness or that whatever it is to bed at night. Carry it to the, to the throne of Jesus and leave it there and go to sleep. Because he's the Savior and you're not. See, we should be able to have freedom in that. And listen, you know, one of the things, uh, as far as being a pastor, right, there's been a lot every week. Every week there's more and more and more. It's amazing that God gives me a sermon and time to, time to make it happen because of the burdens and the needs and, and the responsibility that, that's there. But I get to go home, and guess whose feet I get to leave it at? Jesus's. And I get to interact and hang out with my kids and my wife. I get to go to bed and, have, and go to sleep at night and rest because I placed it in Jesus' hands. He is the Savior. Listen, if we are pointing our friends or others to something else for joy, if we're pointing them to something else for fulfillment or satisfaction or salvation, we are pointing them in a wrong place. Because everything and everyone, listen, this is the truth. Everything and everyone can be ripped away from us except Jesus. So if our hope is in a, a car or our hope is in a home or our hope is in a paycheck, guess what? It's misplaced hope because that can be, might be, will be ripped away from us. But if our hope is in Jesus Christ, 
it will never, ever disappoint. Because he did all the work and all authority has been placed on his shoulders. You're not others' saviors. All right, I want you to turn to your neighbor. We're not going to get in a group, but just turn to your neighbor. And I want you to say this. I am not the Savior. Turn to your neighbor. Turn to your other one. Right? Good job. Now, now I want you to turn to your neighbor again and say, Jesus is the Savior. Right? And now turn to your neighbor and say, run to Jesus. All right, run to Jesus. That, that, isn't that freeing? Isn't that so freeing? All right, let's pray. God, thank you that you have freed us to point people to Jesus. That God, we don't have to be the Savior. We don't, we don't have to have all the answers, but we know someone who does. We thank you that it is that easy. People need Jesus. We need Jesus. Push us, point us, draw us to yourself, and help us point others to Jesus. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to do some more worship. I think, yeah, I think worship, worship team, come on up. Just be seated. Tri-tip's getting close. You guys ready for a good family dinner? Yeah. Lunch. Dinner. They used to call it dinner back in the day, Chase. After church, you had dinner, right? That's right. You ate kind of one time all day long. So we've seen that uh, it's personal, right? That Jesus being the Savior, that, that He laboring and doing all the work is personal. That you and I individually have to trust in, in Jesus Christ. That there's nothing that we can do to draw us closer to God and save ourselves. That Jesus is actually the Savior. And that's a decision of faith that we have to exhibit from our own heart to Jesus. Then we saw that He it is public as well. It's not just a private matter. It goes beyond the personal. It goes to public. That we are to point people then to Jesus. If He's our only hope... It's just good manners to point other people to him, right? That we would say, hey, Jesus is the only hope. I found him. Let me show him to you and not show them to us, right? We want to show people to Jesus. We point them to Jesus. And the final thing is that there's power. When we talk about Jesus having all authority and that he did all the work and that he is the one who rose victoriously uh, from the grave, he has all the power. And, and if you and I are feeling a little weak, guess who's strong? Jesus is. So number three is this. He is with you. He is with you. And that is a promise that Jesus made right there at the last thing in, in the Great Commission. He said, go and teach others and baptize them, right? And he says, I, at the very end, he says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, if you go to, to John, again, the regular book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Let's go to John chapter 14 together. John chapter 14, and we'll look at verses 25 and 26. You know, we sang the song a few minutes ago, or listened to the song from Elizabeth. I think we have to sing it in a few minutes, but um, I believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and He's given us new life. It's, it's not just that we're pointing them to Jesus, but in the, in the Godhead, there is power. And through the, the promised Holy Spirit we, ha- who have, we have inside of us and with us, there is power. And here's what He says in John 14, 25, 26, he says, I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in him, in, uh, him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything 
I have told you. The Holy Spirit gets to be a little bit of a bug sometimes, right? We trust in Christ, and the, the Bible says that He indwells us, that he, he moves in or He takes up residence inside of us. That's how He overturns our heart, and He begins to renovate our lives. And it's not very fun. I, I remember that time when I, when I started going through that deep conviction and deep presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, where He was showing me thing after thing after thing that wasn't pleasing to Him. It wasn't that I couldn't earn His love. It, God, God, listen, God cannot love you any more or less than He does right now. He just wants you to look more and more like his son, Jesus. And see, you hear me pray that a lot before we start, that God, would you please show us the truth of your word, that we would understand what you've taught us, and that you would conform us into the image of Jesus Christ, the son. We want to become more and more like Jesus, because we're about pointing people to Jesus, not ourselves. So for you and I, we have this power that we have access to. And Jesus said, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Now for you and I, I want you to think about this too, and you can study later in Galatians, and we're going to go there most likely around January. We'll start the book of Galatians. But this book of Galatians, Paul, Paul says to the Galatians, I, I urge you to live by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. So they are in conflict or at odds with one another. You and I, do you ever feel that way? You're at odds with yourself? We have the sinful nature that, that creeps in and wants to, wants to say, no, this is how it should be. right? And, no, and then Holy Spirit's there saying, no, no, it's, it's like the angel and devil on the, two, on the shoulders, right? We see that in cartoons a lot, and we feel like that's going on all the time. Here, here's what we need to understand. Whichever one of those we feed the most is going to win in our, in our life. Whichever one you feed the most is going to win. I don't care if you've been in the church for 50 years. If you are not being filled with God's Spirit and letting Him rule and reign inside of you, the devil is going to have a field day with you. And you're, every temptation that comes up, everything that, that wants to pull you down is going to do that. So you and I have to put ourselves in a place, in a position where we can continually be fed by God's Spirit, and we can continually feed that Spirit within, within us. A few, three main ways. God's Word. This book, God's Word. If we're not in the Word of God, it's not going to dwell in our hearts. It's not going to renew our mind and transform us. God's Word is how he, he feeds the Spirit within us. Prayer is another one. We've talked about this, and we're emphasizing prayer a lot right now in our church, and there's opportunities for you and I to come and hear from uh, Pastor Joseph about prayer and teaching about prayer and how we should pray. And I encourage you to do that. Take, take time out of your schedule to do that. we got to pray. We, we go and we, we, how we talk to God is through prayer, and how he talks to us is through his word. So we, we should pray and then go and listen, right? And we should go and listen and then pray and ask again and clarify and go back and listen. So we, we ask and talk to God in prayer, and we listen through the Word. And finally, the way you can continue to feed the Spirit is in the presence of, of His people. Be with God's people. That you and I would be shoulder to shoulder. We wouldn't just occupy a spot, a little seat, and then leave. That we get together, and we gather, and we get to, get to be in each other's lives and talk and be encouraged. Your life, your temptation, your struggle, even your your uh, lack of success in a certain area, God can use that as a testimony of how he eventually pulls you through. And if you're struggling in a certain area, I guarantee you someone else has already struggled there and had victory because of Jesus. 
And that's what the church is to do. We're to bear each other's burdens, pointing us, walking us together towards Jesus Christ. But there is power in the Spirit of God to overcome those temptations. So when I say pointing people to Jesus is just really the easy answer, it is the only answer. And yeah, it's that easy. I want to point you to Jesus. Go find Jesus. Go talk to Jesus. Go listen to him and go be with his people. I guarantee you, you'll start to feel and understand the power of his presence in your life and feel, and feel like, I can, I can have victory over these things. And if you're not feeling that way, it's because you're not allowing yourself to be vulnerable or to be in fellowship or you're not actually talking to God. Or maybe that's all you're doing is talking to God, but you're not allowing him to talk back to you and speak to your heart. There is power in the all-sufficient God of the universe. There is power that he wants you to know. So last thing I want you to do, you're going to get in your little groups again, okay? And another question on the screen here is this. You ready, Davey? When do you feel God's spirit and strength the most? When do you feel God's spirit and strength the most? Don't just take my word for it that you should be with people and be in prayer and be in the word. Go see what other people say, okay? Take a couple minutes. When do you feel God's spirit and strength the most? Go. As we come back together, I'll invite the worship team to come up and close us out. The worship team would come on up again. Hopefully, hopefully you're being encouraged by some of that and that people are seeing and feeling God's power and His Spirit in, uh, in, in all kinds of ways. You know, I think one of the things that kind of my group we're talking about in disaster, right? We have fires, we have hurricanes, we have these storms, and we see, oh man, God, God's power is there. It's so evident that God's power is there. But, but you know, that there is a time, I think there's a teachable time, that we have to understand is not just when he's the last resort, right? I think we, we treat God like that, don't we? When we see God the strongest sometimes, when, when we're the weakest, we see God the strongest when he's the last place we can turn. And that seems a little bit of an error to me, doesn't it? I mean, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and me. The same power that is, is coming through and is, is doing miracles and huge, huge things when we talk about big disasters is living inside of you and I. That when, when we get out of bed in the morning, that power is there for you and I to, to tap into, to rely on, to comfort us and guide us and direct us. That we should not just rely on that power when there's nothing else to rely on. That we should go out in the morning saying, God, I am nothing without you. That I cannot move forward, I cannot move an inch, and don't let me move an inch without your Spirit guiding me. I want to be your hands and feet. I want, to, I want to be the light of the world so that people see God and the depth of, and the beauty of His grace in my life. And, and I think when we see it in the, in the most profound ways, in the most disastrous ways, that's amazing. But when we see it in the most mundane ways, we see God show up in the most, the most simplest way. 
over, over breakfast at the, at, the, at the table, right? Or as you just have a conversation over coffee at, with, with someone at, at the coffee shop. And you see God's power and you, see, you trusted him and you relied on him. And he wells up inside of us and he says, yeah, go and make disciples and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. Rely on me. For you and I, it's a submission that we have to have. We have to submit our hearts. We have to put ourselves in a place to be led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. We can't do it alone, can we? We need him and we need each other. And that's why he's placed us in our lives. That we would have each other and we'd have him. Let's stand together and close out our service and worship.